0: Who's been on holiday this year? Did you have a great time? Yeah, brilliant. Remember what we're doing at the moment is we're just going through a series of talks about not holidays, but what we pack for our holidays and what we pack for our life. Because none of us have enough space unless we've got a private yacht, a private plane and a big double decker bus that you can use just for yourself to take everything that you want to use. So we have to be, sort of, have our priorities, don't we? And we've been saying that just as we have to pack certain things depending on what we're doing when we go on our holidays, so in life we have to think what's most important to me? What do I need to really do each day? Is it to exercise my thumbs? Because some people kind of exercise their thumbs a lot, don't they? Is it to exercise my fingers like pianists do or is it to exercise my eyes by reading a book or is it one of these things we've been looking at over the last few weeks first of all when we started the series we we're saying yes we need to put God first and then we we're saying yeah we've done that the following week repenting of our own sins and forgiving others and then the following week we're going to we're a family So we're going to meet together, because that's what families do. They meet together, and that's where we learn from each other, and it's a great feeling. We're going to pray. We're going to read the Bible. And last week, we were thinking about being generous. That's another core Christian value. That's what we were saying all of these things are, all these things. We might sort of have busyness every day, and we certainly have, haven't we? But all of these things, we're saying, yes, this is something that's got to be right at the top of the priority list to follow God and to do all these things to get to know him better and to encourage other people to get to know him better as well. So, what we're thinking about today, speak about Jesus. So, that's what we're going to be considering for the next 25, 30 minutes or so. I wonder though, there's lots of verses in the Bible that talk about speaking about Jesus. Here's one. I bet you've heard of this before. Matthew 28 16 to 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted that it was really he. Jesus came up and said to them, All authority, or power of absolute rule, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words baptising them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe everything that i have commanded you and lo i am with you always remaining with you perpetually regardless of circumstance and on every occasion even to the end of the age so just in these verses if we're sort of thinking about speaking about jesus We've got the blueprints. We've got what to say, haven't we? We've got sort of the things that Jesus is encouraging us to do. By magic, let's just highlight them. If we're going to make disciples, we have to help people learn about Jesus and then believe in Jesus and then to obey what he says. So really, that's so fantastic because people don't know, the, most, the majority of the population don't know that there can be reconciliation between God and man. I bet most people never thought about it. They don't even care. They just think, oh, well, I've got my life to lead. uh, lead. I'll do what I like. I'll meet the people I like. I'll be with the people I like. I will encourage the people I like. And yet we're thinking so much bigger as Christians, as Jesus' disciples, because we're being encouraged to to help people to learn about Jesus, to believe in Jesus, and to make sure they obey. You know, this reconciliation, I have lots of words I say to Jill and say to myself, brilliant, great, super duper, all these kinds of things. I can't think of a word that describes adequately Jesus reconciling man to himself. Can you, What's, what's the best word that you can think of? unbelievable yeah that's a great word yeah ineffable how about that that's a lovely word as well let's go for that ineffable oh this is ineffable how about anything else amazing, amazing. it is it's so amazing like all of these are words in english can anyone tell me in another language a word that they just think that sums up up Yes, I'm looking on the front row now, aren't I, mainly? I don't think there's. Uh, or further afield, does anyone want to think of another language that just sort of says, yes, this is just the word that would help me if I was praying to say, thank you, Lord, because, Hyungjin, you're just about to say something? Yeah. Uh, Do you agree? We need people to hear what he has to say. So, just say that again, Hyungjin. <coughs> All right, but Satan Korean in Korean, I was meaning,
1: sorry.
0: <laughs> Does that about sum it up? That's really good, isn't it? Because what we're trying to do is say, Lord, you lovers, you are so amazing, so brilliant, so ineffable, so brilliant, but I haven't got enough words to describe it. That's what it's like, isn't it? When we sort of worship... And uh, sing hymns and songs and things. It's brilliant because people have worked at giving us words. And when we read the Bible, praising God, it's wonderful because we can just read other people's words to help us in our worship. But sometimes it's really good to try and think about our own words and say, Lord, thank you that you've moved me from darkness to light. And then give some big adjectives. Look them up in a dictionary. That's a brilliant thing to do. Read a dictionary and just find some words that you think, oh, I don't know that word, but I'm going to use that now because that really sums up what I believe about God. And it sums up my relationship. It sums up a changed life that we've been given and that other people are invited to as well. So. We know this is kind of the things we could be saying. It could be given our testimonies and all things like that. But the big question is, how do we speak? I've got three ideas. How do we speak? The first one, then, in audible words. Now, we've probably all seen town criers with a bell, and they say, oh, yay, oh, yay. You know something important is going to come then, don't you? When they've said that. So if we were sort of ringing our bells. And saying to people in a metaphorical sense. Jesus has died for you. Come and have new life. He's changed my life. That's what we need to do as Christians isn't it? Ring our metaphorical bell. And say this is important. Oh yeah listen up. This is what we want to say. Come and be Christian. Come and know the Lord. Now of course if we did that. Totally like that we'd get a quizzical look of people, wouldn't we? And they'd be kind of disturbed. So it's a metaphorical thing to do. We don't get our bells out and say, this is what we're going to do. But it is an important an announcement to say, yes, I want to tell people about you. Now, we all have conversations. We all speak with audible words. So I wonder, if I was going to ask you, and um, this is rhetorical, you don't need to come back to me at the moment, if I was going to ask you, what's your favourite subject if you talk to people in your conversation? I know some people that talk about sport, or talk about the weather, or talk about flags, or talk about the uh, business of the Nuneaton roads, or talk about maths, or talk about their family, or talk about the, anything else. You know, there's things that we can talk about because it's just us, isn't it? We can talk about it. What's the saying? Till the cows come home, because we can just do it, can't we? It's just natural, it's okay for us. But I wonder, when we are speaking to people, is it easy to discuss those default things, those things that are just so easy to to talk about? To talk about, I don't know, all those things we mentioned. I wonder when we're having a conversation, do people think of us as a moaner? Can't get over Leicester Road Bridge again, there's that many cars around. Tried to get to the doctors this week, couldn't, two weeks booked up. Bother. Or, are you a rejoicer? Oh, it took us a while to get over the Leicester Road Bridge, but we got there. And Asda, there was one space left in the car park. Brilliant. Oh, marvellous this, this, that and the other. You know, when you speak to people, are you a moaner? Are you a rejoicer? Do people enjoy being with you, or do they kind of not, but they don't tell you? Is it easy to speak about Jesus? Again, this is rhetorical. You don't need to tell me just yet. What would make it easier to talk about Jesus if we really needed to? We might have some of these answers in a little bit, or you might just ponder about them later on and come up with an answer later on. And you can tell us all about what your answer was. So if we've had audible words about speaking, then we need actions as well. Because as we act, as we do things, either in our family or at home or in society around us or at work, so we are speaking, aren't we? When someone asks you to do something at work, for instance, or at church or at home, okay, if I have to, or can't wait. Perhaps you're a bit not so enthusiastic as as me, saying, yeah, let's uh, empty the dishwasher together, darling, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's not kind of being enthusiastic over the top-like, but it's still saying in a positive way, yeah, we're together, let's do this, it's really good to be with you. Or if you're out just walking and you see someone, you can say good morning to them, just like you can on the canal, Because it seems that the canals are set in the 1950s or before, doesn't it? Because people will say hello to you when you walk along the canal. You know, sometimes it's not just audible words, it's not just action, but it's also writing and drawing that people do to communicate. Especially, sort of nowadays, people do communication a lot by typing. And texting and messaging and Snapchatting and Instagramming and all sorts of things like that. So, writing and drawing. But, I like to be old-fashioned sometimes. I love getting a postcard. Here's one from Loch Ness. And it says, at the end, lots and lots of love from Jill. So, she's not in uh, Loch Ness at the moment, uh, but she's in London. But this was a few months ago. She went to Scotland with her family. She sent me a postcard. Yay. It was great when I received that. Here's another one. Thank you. Because I'm a piano teacher. So, thank you. To John, thank you for helping me to do grade one and teaching me this year. Isn't that nice? I I keep them. And I look back at them in a few years' time and think, oh, that was nice. I remember that person. And that was really encouraging to me. Because hopefully I've encouraged them to practice every day and get better and things like that. So doing things that we imagine can be useful and helpful is just being nice. Some people send birthday cards. They've got a ministry in it and they just send birthday cards regularly. What a blessing that is. The thing is, you don't have to mention Jesus explicitly when you're doing these things. For example, if I was sending a postcard, Dear Paul and Lynn, we're having a great holiday. Weather is brilliant and food is super duper. There's a lovely king size bed. Tomorrow we're going on a cable car to the top of Table Mountain. Lots of love, John and Jesus. We don't sort of do that, do you? But it's just by your words and your love that people know you're not just living your life for yourself, but Jesus is a part of it. Over the last sort of couple of years, uh, Paul mentioned it earlier, we've had this Onward newsletter, and here's the last uh, ten front copies. And I try and make it so that people can think about Jesus as they're reading it. So if they see it and they don't come to church, they'll see the letter or see something on the cover or something inside that will just point towards Jesus. Because that's what we want to do, isn't it? We're not pointing to ourselves as a church. We're saying, come and find Jesus as your saviour. Come and know him you will make a difference in your life. Some of you will know that because of the new uh, houses being built on all the estates, we've had some leaflets made. Here it is. So we've had a thousand of these printed this week. And what we want to do over the next week or two, well, to the end of the month, is deliver a thousand leaflets saying, it's time to celebrate. And then just saying some of the things that happen and then a lovely map on the back in case they don't know where pallet drive is and there's postcode, so they can find us really easily. So if you think, yes, I want to deliver 100, 20, 30, brilliant. Come and see me or email me or text me, and it'll be brilliant because I've got this big, heavy box that even the Incredible Hulk couldn't carry at the moment, and it's at home. But if you will sort of take some of them and deliver them, that'll be brilliant. What we're thinking at the moment is instead of us knocking on the doors and... Uh, and saying, hello, we're from the Newton Christian Fellowship. Probably this time, unless you feel different, we're just going to pop them through the door. And then a couple of months later, we'll go along again and say, oh, do you remember us? We sort of uh, put this through your door. So there's a thousand of these... And I've got a list of all the streets and all the numbers of houses in every street on the estate and on the new estates. So if you say, oh, can I do about 30? I'd look on the list and say, oh, can you do this road, this road? Or if you've got a road in mind, I'll just tick the road off and say, yeah, so-and-so has done this road. And we're just not making sure then we're not going to double up and we're going to make sure we can do it really well over a period of a few weeks and then come back to them again in a few months time as well. ...with other material. the thousands and thousands of people in this borough... ...that haven't heard about Jesus. And so as we take those out... ...and maybe if we see people on the doorstep... ...we can say what we're doing and what we're about. So I want to encourage you. Yeah, if you want to take some out... ...that would be a really good thing. We want to see the ch- not just the church growing here... ...but we want to see the town centre improving, don't we? We want to see less crime on our streets... We want to see people's relationships improving, and we know it's through God, as we take the good news to other people, so in the is going to change for the better. It's just going to happen, isn't it, as more and more people get saved and come to know God. Now, if you were here last Sunday morning, there was a lovely little Greek word that we all looked at. I thought we'd remind you of it. I've made it quite big, so it's not so little there. Hilaron, and so if you remember what we were saying last time, is two Corinthians nine seven. God loves a cheerful giver. But it's this word, hilaron, a bit like the word hilarious, that we were saying. There's a few definitions about it. That when I looked it up in my uh, books, short definition: joyous, cheerful, not grudging. Then a longer one: disposed towards because satisfied. Describing someone who is cheerfully ready to act because they are already approving or persuaded or inclined. They are already won over. It describes spontaneous, non-reluctant giving. Now, we want to sort of think that the giving, as we know, isn't just giving finance. But it's giving of our lives, pouring out our lives to God, doing things for him. And so we can have this hilarious, this cheerful, this spontaneous giving of speaking about Jesus. Because he's done so much for us, so we can just think, yes, I can't help myself. Just like we are saying earlier about different conversations we have with people, there's some topics of conversation that you have, because you just really enjoy the subject, you're overjoyed about it. And yet, we want this to be true in our lives about God. William Carey, you've probably heard of, he was a missionary in the early 19th century, and he said... This saying, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. And that's what this word kind of describes as well. As we spontaneously give and and do things because we're knowing it's the right thing to do without being asked. So we're attempting great things for God. And then we know we can expect great things from God at the same time. I know you've noticed and no one's drawn your attention to it. The carpet's up again. And you know, now and again, over the next few months, I want us to be thinking about what's here. Because last year, we had two baptisms. Wonderful, brilliant. But wouldn't it be terrible if, over the next five years, we have none? The whole aim of what we're here for is to tell people about Jesus. And to say, yes, come and have life. Come and have a new life, be a new creation through what God's done. Only Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. We can read lots of holy books or listen to lots of holy people, but it's Jesus that makes a difference in people's lives. And we want people to know, just like we are saying about it earlier, it's about uh, believing in God, like hearing about God, then believing, and then doing what he says, just like Jesus commanded in Matthew, in, yeah, Matthew 28. Jesus died 2,000 years ago, but his resurrection and ascension has an impact still today on our lives. And we want to encourage people that don't come to know about Jesus too. Very important chap, John Sentamu, he gives the church two options. And you've probably read this in the latest Onward. He says, we must evangelise. or fossilise if we go out and God through us brings people in and talks and sort of gets new creations and new converts and new disciples how wonderful that is it's going to make us think about what happens in our services what happens in our midweek what's the very structure of what we do as a, as a church fossilising isn't just about being extinct Fossilising can mean just staying in a rut. Not changing. Just keeping the same. Because we've always done it that way. But as new people come, so we're going to be encouraged to think about exploring new ways to tell people about God. New ways to live for God ourselves. They're going to encourage us to read the Bible more for ourselves. We might be excited about the reading the Bible already and praying. But as new people come for faith in the church... So their excitement will spill over, won't it? And maybe it will make us more excited to say, yeah, I only read the Bible a bit now and again, or I only pray a bit now and again. But as people testify and get to know God, so that will encourage us, and our lives will change. We won't fossilise, we'll grow, because we've evangelised. Now here's a question I do want you to answer. Okay? Who was the best person... Whoever talked about Jesus. Go on, give us a few. I've got a few examples I've got on the next slide. But give us a few that you just think of. Paul, Paul okay. John the, John the Baptist, love it. Peter, Peter yeah. Should I put up next? Or, and, say it again. Billy Graham. Being Graham, Billy Graham, yeah, wonderful. I think I've got all of those apart from one. So i put Billy Graham, Martin Luther, St John, you... Bishop Michael Curry, who was he again? The speaker at which wedding? Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's. It was brilliant, weren't he? So, Bishop Michael Currie, is he the best speaker about Jesus ever? I don't know, just a question. William Carey, we mentioned him earlier, Smith Wigglesworth, Reinhard Bonker, Keith Green, St Peter, Billy Graham, St Paul. We could think of a few more, couldn't we? So, out of... All of that then. Have you got a a firm person now that you just think the best person who ever talked about Jesus was? Corrie ten Boom. Boom? I didn't think about her. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus. But I do like your idea as well. That's a brilliant one. (laughs) Jesus is the best person who ever talked about Jesus. Without question. It is just So I've got a few verses I want to read to you, and you will know this story very well. Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. It's all about the Emmaus Road. Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. That's really important. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke bread and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other. Were not our hearts burning with us. While he talked with us on the road. And opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned to, at once to Jerusalem. Even though it was dark and dangerous. There they found the eleven. And those with them assembled together. And saying it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them. When he broke the bread. They were downcast. They were followers of Jesus. And their world had ended. Jesus had died. They believed in him. And yet as Jesus walked along with them. And they recognised him eventually. So it says. Their hearts. In this version. The passion translation. Didn't our hearts burn. With the flames of holy passion. While we walked beside him. I've got some other versions that say things. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Weren't our hearts greatly moved? Weren't our hearts on fire? Weren't we excited? Weren't our hearts ablaze within us? Weren't our hearts glowing? Our hearts had felt strangely warm. Didn't we feel on fire? Weren't we excited? Were not our hearts filled with joy? Weren't our hearts on fire within us? What's the difference? Jesus has been with them. Jesus had explained all about from the Old Testament what he was doing and why he was there. And so instead of being downcast, all of a sudden, there was something within them. Their hearts had changed. Their attitude, their feeling had changed. And I love the Greek word with this. Here's the third one of the day. Komene. And it's from the word keo. This verb keo, and it means to burn intensely or to be kindled into emotion, to be set on fire. When something or someone gives us passion, when something burns within us, then that subject is easy to talk about. And What we want to think is, yes, Lord, as we talk with you, we want our passion for you to be ignited. We want our passion to you, for you, Lord, to come alive, so that other people can see that passion and have that passion for themselves. It doesn't have to be in a loud, demonstrative, strong way. Telling people about Jesus can be done quietly, calmly, just one-to-one. But as our passion and that burningness inside us is passed on to someone else, so they can experience too. And that can be something that we really pray a lot about, can't it? Lord, let the passion that we have for you increase. And Lord, let us go and tell people about the passion we have. There's dozens of occasions in the Gospels when Jesus talked to people and their lives were drastically changed because the passion that he had for his mission and for knowing the Father and pointing to the Father, he passed on to other people. Not in a, a guilt trap, a sort, of, a, a sort of a heavy way, but as life and life anew so that people could really live for the first time because they'd met Jesus and they could follow what he said we talk about evangelism a fair bit don't we here's the last bit of uh, Italian here's the last bit of uh, Greek you, Angelo now, Angelo reminds me of the word angel and that's really what this word's about You is a Greek word for good or well. And then Angelo, I've written it down so I've got it really precise, is going to be, I bring a message. So evangelism, you, Angelo, is I bring a good message. So if we're thinking about evangelism, it's not I bring a message that I find very difficult to to share, but I bring a good message, a transforming message a message that you can enjoy and will be of benefits not just for you, but your family and those that you know. When I was at Bible College in the 80s, we did lots of different courses, lots of different subjects, all sorts of things. But a regular one was evangelism. Most weeks, someone would come and talk about evangelism, but it didn't stop there. The brilliant thing, I think, about the college was it wasn't just a theoretical thing that we learnt about, but every week, either for a morning or afternoon, we went out somewhere. And we put it into practice, door-to-door, doing singing and dancing, drama on the streets, all sorts of things we did, Um, all sorts of things, yeah. And so that was something that was really positive. And then this would be in small groups, and then once a year, the whole college, like 150 people, would go into the centre of Birmingham or into the suburbs and just do something all together, just making a big impact. The trouble was, most people were fine with learning about Greek and Hebrew and different theologies and different books of the Bible and all this sort of stuff. But most people find it much harder to actually go and do the evangelism. This is rhetorical again. Have a think about it. Don't tell me. Why can evangelism seem so hard sometimes? Don't need to tell me. Have a think about it. It's such good news. Life transforming. Yet it seems difficult, doesn't it, sometimes, to go and talk to your friend or family member about what Jesus has done for you. To tell them the good news. To tell them all about what's been happening in your life we know this, we know we're Christians not just on a Sunday when we meet together in these four walls and it's great to meet together we're Christians all through the week we're disciples of Jesus all through the week we can take the transforming power of God to people we meet all through the week and that's perhaps what God is calling us to do but sometimes maybe it's easier to dilute the message just to make it easier for us and maybe to make it easier for the people that are listening just say a prayer you'll be a Christian pray to Jesus and that's it but God is calling us not to water down what Jesus says but to cause people to learn about him to believe in him And then to follow him in full obedience. So I've been saying these things to give you a guilt trip. And to make you feel, oh, some of these things that we've been talking about on Sunday morning are a bit awkward. I know I should be doing them as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus. I know it should be a core value in my life. Oh, I can't wait to talk about the next subject. I'm sure it's going to be far easier. The thing is, we shouldn't dilute what Jesus says. We can't be Christians and only do these bits of what Jesus said. Jesus said this. If anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests, and take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be in dying also. For whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort and security here, shall lose it eternal life. And whoever loses his life, his comfort and security here, for my sake, shall find it life everlasting. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life, his blessed life in the kingdom of God? Or what or what would a man give as an exchange for his blessed life in the kingdom of God? and that's Matthew 16, 24 to 26, from the Amplified Bible. God wants us to be intentional in nattering and chatting about our Saviour. Sometimes we'll pray, and we'll be, God will just whisper into your ear, yeah, go and talk to that people, that person about me. And sometimes you just may not hear anything for a few weeks, but you're just still praying And still thinking, Lord, I want to be intentional. I want to be active in telling people about you. As we do that, we know that God is with us. And he will create situations for us as we pray and ask him, Lord, help me to be your ambassador. I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking, if you're ambassador of the Queen, of the court of St. James, I think it's called, what a great sort of thing to be an ambassador in a different country for your government, whatever nationality we might be. And yet we are all ambassadors, ambassadors for Jesus wherever we go, the streets where you live or where you work or where your family is, where you visit them. We can be ambassadors. What a privilege. What a great thing that is. Again, I'll run run out of words to say brilliant amazing super ineffable that doesn't cut it at all but jesus is calling us and saying this is a privilege you can speak on my behalf to as many people as you choose in as many different ways as you choose in audible words by typing by our actions and that's what god's calling us to do today and tomorrow and the next day to be his ambassadors stand up and say yes i'm not going to be sort of torn down or be told you can't say those things but in a gentle way or sometimes in a strong way i want to tell people about god tell people about my savior and the difference he's made in my life so speaking about jesus that's the challenge for this week challenge for me for sure maybe a challenge for you too we're going to pray, we'll sing a couple of songs and then Jin's going to come and share a little bit about what he's been doing over the last few months which is all to do about speaking about Jesus. Let's just pray first and then we'll just have a couple of songs to just get our uh, legs moving a bit and our heart pumping and then we'll listen to Jin a little bit as well. Lord, we are so glad that you call us as your ambassador. What a privilege. Lord, as we step up to that role and think about what to say to our friends and our family, whether through words, through actions, or through, uh, through things on the sort of digital ways of doing it, Lord. Lord, we say, were you leaders? Were you guiders? We don't want people to be put off from you by what we say or the way we say it. We want people to be strengthened, to be led closer to knowing you. So Lord, give us the words to say, the circumstances and the opportunities to do it. Because we are keen. We want to know about you and make you known, Lord. So help us to do that, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for our hearts burning for you, for our hearts being strangely warmed. Lord, you strangely warm our hearts some more. As we learn more about you, As we follow you, and over these years to come, Lord, we want to just, like that burning bush in Exodus, to be burning for you, but not burning up, burning out, fizzling out. But Lord, saying, yes, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Help me to be that signpost, strong and steady, because of you, Lord, pointing to other people and sharing in my life what you've done. So others can know that too. Amen. So Hyung is going to come and speak to us about the last few months and what he's been doing and how he's been thinking about speaking about Jesus is vital and important.
1: Hello, good morning. Uh, Basically, for those who know, I've I've been on uh, DTS Discipleship Training School for the last seven months. And John's just given me this opportunity uh, just to talk a little bit about um, yeah, yeah, my, my experience during the last seven months and, and how, how we could uh, take that on with myself as well, uh, with, with what John spoke this morning in terms of evangelism and also uh, coming to know God more in our lives and also um, making God known. this is also like a. Uh, two, two main values for YWAM as well that, that I've been learning. Um, but I just want to say thank you for all your uh, prayers and, and support. Um, yeah, I think I wouldn't have done it without and uh, I, I felt the, the strength in, in knowing that people are supporting me and praying for me whilst being on lecture phase and outreach. Um, so, last, last week, we actually got commissioned, so that's the word taken from Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, that that he commissioned us to make, go and make disciples. So um, although it's the end of my DTS, it's also just the beginning of, of being commissioned. And what's important is uh, the days to come from now on. Um, so that was just a photo of all our team, so including the staff and our trainees. Um, that's just the timeline to show that from January to March, it was, it was lectures, so learning about God but uh, we, we thought it was important to uh, take take um, what we've learned to outside and, and let people know about what we've learned. So that was the remaining April to July period. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, just... And we've done a debrief, a uh, so-called thing called debrief, when we've come back from our outreach. And the last outreach I've been to was Philippines for two months. And... Uh, it was just so important just to reflect back on on our experiences um, and as I'm also uh, showing you some pictures today I think it's just a reminder for myself of what God had done because I was browsing through the photos and I was amazed to see like all the things that went on that I forgot as well um, but that was the picture of uh, everything that like a timeline of everything that we did and it's, it's very busy and uh, yeah I also want to take this opportunity to ask you um, for prayer because now that I'm back and uh, DTS was uh, a program where it's very intentional um, to to help you to grow in your relationship with God and your discipleship but um, obviously that, that was a very intentional thing and um, it, it costed a lot of time and, and effort and, uh, and also money as well um, but now that I'm back I also ask you to pray like in uh, you know know, keep keep going with with the things that i've learned yeah these are just lectures that we've gone through yeah but my goal for the outreach was um now that i've learned so much about god uh, about his love as well i wanted to um really grow more in understanding his love and based on what i've learned i i i believe i believed that um that the way to grow more was actually to uh, practice my faith, not just um, my head knowledge, but really taking into my heart and then taking that out to people. And my kind of uh, theory was that if I do that in practice, then I will be able to grow in my relationship with God further and uh, to see my skills growth grow as well in, in preaching or teaching whilst on outreach. Actually, I want to start from Nuneaton, because Nuneaton was my our, our first outreach, and uh, I want to highlight the day. I think it was the last day of February when, when uh, I'm not sure if you remember, it snowed so, so much, and it was so cold, uh, and that week, we actually had lectures at the uh, St. Nicholas uh, Church, yeah, just in front of the library, in, in the town center, um, but it was it a was really good experience, um, I think it was Maggid, our leader, who was speaking then, and he was talking about, you know, how our faith is, is kind of as opposed to our feelings. And so um, it was very good to be in such a cold and, and miserable place to, to really just uh, be a testing for ourselves, to test our faith, but also to grow in it by overcoming uh, those, those uh, bad feelings. And, and so um, we were in town center, and we, we saw a lot of... Uh, a lot of things that god did we we doubted a lot as, as well but um we, we we got to the town we started singing uh and worshiping and just just praising god that, that was that was about it we were we were saying let's praise god and i think that that shifted the atmosphere and and we ourselves were you know healed uh, inside our, in our in our spiritual minds yeah uh there was one yep um that was the next uh our, our first uh official outreach was to Kent as well for two weeks um or one week i think and uh yeah kent- Kent was my my first time to to really just uh visit intentionally to 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 go to the canterbury city as well uh we also went to the neighboring uh more rural areas um but we saw um just that place being such a a place with christian heritage um, we we saw that it wasn't burning as as it used to be Um, and uh, we're thinking about you know uh, what we could do so things included like uh, prayer walk that we did um, also going to uh, hard places hard areas where where we went to do some programs but also uh, half of the time, I was playing football along, along with the two other lads. And that was very effective and it was very surprising for me because uh, I just wanted to just say the gospel. <laughs> like, God is, God is good or God is love. Uh, you've sinned or you, you have to go to heaven. But um, I think that was when I kind of first gradually learned how to build relationships as well with people um, and then really... Uh, yeah, not, not just say the right things, but actually be motivated by love and play football and, and go on from there. Mm. I also went to Egypt. So <laughs> um, very, very lucky enough to go to Egypt. We were there for two weeks. That was just a view at the bottom of uh, what you can see from the top floor of the church that we were on. And so you just get the feel of what Egypt's like. Uh, our team there. And yeah with with Egypt as well, um, you can imagine that it's such a different culture, and uh, a lot a lot of the places like uh, virtually nearly all the places are like Muslim muslim dominated areas, and so we have to really be careful and think about uh, what we could say and not say um, and being, being the Muslim country as it is we can't be very explicit with like, our Christian message and so sometimes we had to adapt um, in, in going about just talking about God but not Jesus because uh, we didn't our, our challenge was not to compromise the existing ministries and, and pastors in the local area um, but we also saw a lot of fruit just by being sensitive to its culture um, they still needed a lot of prayer Obviously, Um, but even despite being Muslim-dominated, we were able to talk to children. There were there were ministers who were risking their lives to open these spaces for us as well. And we had a month of uh, so-called school of evangelism seminar, which is uh, dealing much about what John talked about this morning as well. Uh, And yeah. And, and of course Philippines I uh, was there for two months and uh, you know going back to my goals of the outreach I think uh, I could say that I've been able to uh, grow in my skills of, of teaching or preaching or getting over my, my fear or being confident when I have to um, I just want to highlight maybe the top right picture is is where one of our last days and uh, uh, we we were praying initially because we were finding it very hard to reach out especially to the young uh, boys the young men of the of the community and we were praying that lord you know help us to reach the the unreached areas um but it was such a great moment that that i can treasure uh about about seeing those group of lads coming together for a bible study in the afternoon and and thinking it was cool and it was cool (laughs) Um, so, things like that is something that really um, just just at hopeful moments where we could bring that on board in, in wherever we are as well maybe we 're facing the same kind of challenges in in Uneaten as well, uh, especially with the teenagers maybe um, so th- there, there are certainly times where we doubt things, but um, those those uh, memories are I think really good to share and for me to remember as well to see that god is faithful and he can work and and nothing's
0: impossible for god the supreme favor of the lord jesus christ and the multifaceted and extravagant love of god is with us may the holy spirit join all our hearts together in love and purpose amen